This is Joe Burns. And Beth West. Hey, thank you for listening to the Rock School Radio Podcast. We think you'll learn something. Now remember, if you want to hear the show with all the music in place, go to kslu.org and stream the show live. Thursdays at 5 and Sundays at 4. It's a new show every week. Now enjoy this week's Rock School Radio Show. Portions of the day's programming are reproduced by means of electrical transcriptions or tape recordings. It's time for school. Rock School with your hosts, Dr. Joe Burns. So those of you who just literally cannot stand any country music, now is the time to go listen to, I don't know, some other talk station. And Beth West. I am so excited that I know this. Thank you. Class is in. Rock School Radio Show here on your radio. Uh, my name is Joe Burns, broadcasting from the campus of Southeastern Louisiana University, and my texting friend over here. Man, if we're going to sit yeah. in here, sometimes work emails just have to get answered. I'm so sorry. Haven't you ever seen the PSAs, don't do radio and text? I know. I was just finishing a work email. I'm so sorry. See? I am Beth West, and I'm addicted to my phone. You could, you could, Things could go wrong if you do radio and text. I know. Very bad things. I could you really could go off the rails. Who knows what I would say? Swerve right into yep. HD. It could be terrible. It really so. could be. Are you familiar with the production or at least the produced albums of Robert John Muttlang? I wasn't at first, and then after you started talking a little bit about it, yes. I Now I remember right. Muttlang. He's been around for a long time. And I think the last time I heard about him was when he was doing stuff with Lady Gaga. Well, he wrote a song on Lady Gaga's, I think, Born This Way LP. You and okay. I, I think, is what He's it is. He's one of those people who's like secretly running the music industry, and people You're, don't know about it. You may be right. What do they call that? All the rap artists are sp- supposedly Oh, the Illuminati? the Illuminati? The Illuminati. Illuminati right. are running the world, yeah. And everybody goes and kisses the ring of John Mutlang. That's Apparently how it is going. So. He's, sure. He's one of the Illuminati. What most people know him for is his rock production. ACDC's Back in Black, Pyro. Mania, Foreigner 4. Those and are big, big rock albums. Oh, yes. Danger. When you start getting into the multi, multi, multi platinum selling, you get into John Mutt Lang. But so here's the question. And today he's still doing it blatantly, Lady Gaga. Right. But That's what, because when you started saying, oh, ACDC, well, I'm like, no, no. Oh, wait, this guy has been around forever. And I know his name because I had heard it associated with acts now. Sure. And country as well. And we'll get into the country. So here's the question. Who is Mutt Lang? Where did he come from? How did he get into production? And if he's so good, what does he do? What yeah, is what's his, his formula? For- right. What's the sound? Why is it that Foreigner could put out so many albums and, you know, go platinum, platinum, sure. platinum. Then Mutt Lang sticks his hand in there and wham, they go four times platinum. There seem to be a few people like that in the music industry, these producers who like T-Bone Burnett or something like exactly. that. Exactly. Like everything they touch just magically turns to gold. Right. It's 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 There's the people that can write the songs. 
And then somebody, a producer, has the ability to come in and polish it just right so it becomes palatable. Like, I can make a hamburger, but your husband, who is a trained chef, can make a hamburger that would kill me. Yeah. Yes. Just kill you with joy and exactly cholesterol. That. A food high. <laughs> yes. And, and that's that's the difference. Somebody yes. can polish it. So we begin. His name is actually Robert John Lang. He was born in Rhodesia, now Zambia. Right. Right. Uh, His mother came from a prosperous family in Germany, so he grew up with money. His father was a mining engineer. There you go. So this man did not want coming up. Right. Since he was uh, raised in Zambia, Rhodesia, he had to do national service, did it for two years, uh, did it in South Africa, got married to a woman named Stevie Van, moves to London, cheats on her, and she tells him to go pound sand. Well, that happens sometimes. There you are. Mm -hmm. So now he's there. He doesn't, he is a musician. But he doesn't Mm -hmm. want to be in the spotlight, so he begins production work. How do you do it? Well, it's one of these things where you have to find a band that'll finally say, yeah, okay. We'll let you polish up our stuff. You have to do it. He then decides to get in touch with a band called City Boy. Now, you may not have heard of them, but City Boy, during the late 1970s, did okay. And... He puts out a song, 5705 for the band, and they have been having men's amends success. 5705 goes kaboom. Really? And now we have a name. Now other bands looked around and went, okay, who did that? What did, what, what did you do? Who, who did, did that? Because you guys were kind of okay, but and that was right, awesome. Now something happened. This is City Boy, 5705 on Rock 5705. But there's no reply. So now we're back in 1976 with Mutt Lang here on Rock okay. School. 5705 has become a fantastic hit. Yes. Okay. Now, you, you we had may the not hit. like it very much, but yeah, it, it's a I hit. thought it was an okay song. Yeah. But people look around. Okay, what happened? Who's who did this to you? What what happened? And he starts, he, Mutt Lang, starts to get work. Through the 70s, he produces Graham Parker's Heat Treatment. Savoy Brown's 1978 album, Savage Return, the Outlaws album, Playing to Win, uh, more City Boy albums all over the place. These are all people who I kind of, oh, I think I know, I think I know who yeah, that you is. You don't start yeah. in the upper echelon. No, right. nobody does. And he starts to get a, he starts to get a reputation as a bit of a wizard in the studio. Instead of just sitting there and going, well, I think this sounds good, or okay, that sounds all right, he starts to not only tell them this is good, this is bad, he begins to shape their music with the technology that's available, which other producers weren't technically doing at the time. Now, someone could argue, now, wait a minute, you know, look what George Martin did, right, look what George Martin did with the Bee Gees, or the Bee Gees, pardon me, the Beatles, that should get me off the air right there. Uh. Yeah, uh, but... It's followed in July 1979 with ACDC's album Highway to Hell, which goes to number eight in the UK and 17 in the US. All of a sudden, the whole world 
now is starting to recognize that there's this new force out there. But he's not got a number one yet until the Boomtown Rats oh, yeah. come walking up and say, you know, what do you say, Mutt? This is my really bad That's accent. A, it's okay. That it's, was a, yeah. you, it was a good try there. What do you say, Mutt? You want to do a single for us? So he says, sure, I'll take a look at it. And they bring in the song Rat Trap. Rat Trap. And he puts the polish on it, and it goes straight to number one in the UK. One, that's one of two songs that I know by the Boomtown Rats. My guess is the other one is I Don't Like Mondays. I Don't Like Mondays. You got yes. it. Now, Rat Trap goes to number one. And once you have a number one, people begin to look Everybody at you. you yeah. Mutt Lang is now a name. This is Rat Trap. It's Boomtown Rats on Rock School. to the 70s or through the 70s with Mutt Lang here on the show. Let's go into 1980. He's had a few big hits. Big hits, And yeah. one number one with the Boomtown Rats called Rat Trap, which you just heard. Okay. I told you in 1979 he did ACDC's album Highway to Hell. Right. The lead singer on Highway to Hell was Bon Scott. Yes. Bon Scott dies. Yes. Right. The next album then to come out is going to be called Back in Black, but they didn't know that yet. They just know they need a new lead singer. They get Johnson, and mm-hmm. they all fly down to uh, Compass Point Studios, Nassau, Bahamas, and they also use the Electric Lady Studios in New York. And they liked this Mutt Lang guy, and they said, why well, don't you come in? they had success with him in the past. Right. Sure. Did well. Come in, you know, we're we're without one of our singers. We got a brand new guy here. We need you to be more of a, you know, more than a producer. We need a cheerleader. We need somebody like to a therapist, guide us. Exactly kind of. that. I mean, your lead singer dies and you bring in somebody new, there's going to be some issues. Right. From what I understand, there were some you know, radical changes. He came in and did things that other producers wouldn't wouldn't dare do to ACDC. He changed the keys of the song. Really? This is wrong. You shouldn't do this. Too many notes here, guys. You want to play stadiums? Sound like a band that wants to play stadiums. Don't do this. And, you know, the band is looking at him like, who are you? Who do you think you are? And after the fights, Lang wins. You know, hey, look, man, you brought me in. Well... If we're still talking about him, then obviously he won in that battle because we all know that album. Yeah, it it came out. It was called Back in Black after supposedly Johnson has a dream and the lyrics are given to him by Bon Scott in the dream. Well, whether it's true or not, you know, why let the facts get in the way of a good story? That's a great story. It's it's not like he's saying he actually appeared to him in the studio. It's in a dream. Sure. That's that's believable. I'm going to give him that. Very well could have come out of his own brain and and that's great fine or it could be a complete lie made up just to have a good story right give to the media and they giggle about it when they're out at the pub having a pint fine he produces the album 
Okay, did it do well back in black? Well, it's currently 22 times platinum. It's the second highest album in the world, fourth highest selling in the United States. Now, it may have it's dropped the, to second or probably, probably third highest selling in the world because of the resurgence of Michael Jackson's album. Right. Albums. I'm wondering that. But and yeah, here's something I don't really because I was really small back then. So I, Back in Black is something everybody knows now. Right. ACDC is something everybody knows now. Right. And so sometimes those things take a while to catch fire. But what you're saying, immediately, it was It took off in a heartbeat. Immediately. Everybody had to have it. It was just one of those albums. This is the one that kicked it off. If you want to count it, the bell rings 13 times. Oh. Hell's oh, Bells no. on Rock School. here on Rock School. Now, I could go on and on just saying, oh, here's another one from, you know, Mutt Lang. And yeah, here's another from Mutt Lang. songs for hours. Blah, 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 blah. And it wouldn't do much. The question is, why him? Why? Yeah. What is it about his sound? How does he get the sounds? How does he polish up the apple to make it shinier than any other one in the bunch to make it so beautiful? Yeah, let's hear it. Okay. Went to a bunch of websites about people that are just going blath, blath, blath about how wonderful Mutt Lang is. And here's what they came up with. He was one of the first people to embrace what are known as SSL consoles, otherwise known as solid state consoles or solid state logic consoles. Which means absolutely nothing to me. A console, think of last time you went to see a rock band. Right. The front of house, there was a guy that was running a bunch of little slider pots. Got it. Making sure that the guitar was a little louder, the vocals came up. Anytime you've seen a movie where they showed a studio, they've got the shot of the studio with all the sliders and what they do and they raise and lower things. Right. Now, why do we care about that? What the SSL consoles would do is they were the first fully automated consoles. So you could take the pots, those little slider things that make things louder and softer. It was attached to a computer. So when you moved the pots, a computer remembered where you put them. Okay. So when the song played back, the pots would move exactly the same way 
every single solitary time. Like a player piano. Like a player piano. Okay. So what he could do is as he listened to it and replayed and replayed, he could make the most minute adjustments to get the sound so specifically dead on that there was no such thing as incorrect notes unless he wanted one. Okay. So that's so one thing. He could polish the performance you got in it. a way that had never been done before. He would also record the drums individually. Okay. So instead of miking a space and then the drums would play, he would make it so the drums were individual elements, meaning you get a snare and you keep hitting the snare until you have a snare hit that you like. Okay. Then you have a cymbal crash until you have a cymbal crash that you like. Then he would be able to sample all of that into a, not a good, a perfect drum track. Okay, when you said, I'm thinking just the whole drum set separately, but you're saying like each type of drum or cymbal or percussion instrument, he would record cymbals. Individually. Individually. Snares. Right. And then go put them all together. So it could be, and he could then lay effect on every single one. So it could be that every time you hit that snare drum, it could sound like a shotgun going off in a hallway. Okay, because yeah, it hadn't just come off the reverberation of, I don't know much about sound physics, but I imagine it would be crisper Right, since it's its own track. Right. It's its own piece. Yeah. You can lay whatever effect over it you wish. So every drum would sound sounds so crisp and perfect because every drum is individual. And he was one of the first people to do that. Now, doesn't that mean hours and hours and hours in the studio with ungodly amounts of overdubs? Yep. I was, yeah, I imagine that that would take forever. Yeah, but that's what he's known for. Now, there's others, but I have things I want to talk to you about. Okay. And we'll go on. Hello there, KLSU in Baton Rouge. Thanks for running the radio show. Hello, KSRQ in Thief River Falls, Minnesota. Oh, by the way, I figured out why it's called Thief River Falls. I did. One of the main rivers there is called the Thief River because um, it's an old Ojibwa Indian uh, name that was translated out to English because uh, a, a secondary Indian tribe apparently was on the land that the Ojibwe's believed was theirs, and so they referred to it as the Thief River, the river that was thieved from them. There you go. I am so excited that I know this. Thank you. I thought you were going to stop it. Well, there's a river there called Thief River. No, and that's no, why. no, it goes on. Okay, back in a minute on Rock School. <laughs> Okay, coming out of the break, I'm going to give you one more reason why Mutt Lang was the producer. Now, other people now do the things he does, but he was well, kind I of the first so. to do these things. Mm-hmm. Massively layered vocals. The best I can tell you to listen to is Def Leppard. Okay. Uh, you listen to Def Leppard? Well, of course, I've heard Def Leppard. The hits, obviously. Yeah, on the yeah. radio. And- when you listen to their backing vocals, it almost sounds like a chorus. 
yeah. is behind them. It's not yeah. one or two people singing a third above harmony. It's a, a true synthesized even will you, vocals behind it. There's it definitely even, sounds like that. It does. It's like a clones, full group. Clones of the same guys just all behind them. And it, it, it really is pretty. And creating it in concert is amazing to me. They kind of do. And I'm wondering, are there tapes back there? Really? Is something happening? I've never seen them live, so I don't know. They're very they, good live. Yeah. They're very good live. And they follow the same thing that Lang said. You want to play stadiums? Don't don't write music that's for jazz. Don't write a million right, notes. Write a million notes. Write songs that sound good in stadiums. And and they did. Uh, he came to them on their second album. Their first one called On Through the Night was very good album. Mm-hmm. Hello America was a hit off it. Very good. Mutt Lang came in, makes high and dry an absolute sonic machine, turns the vocals, the backing vocals, into this beautiful thing. But it comes to perfection on Pyromania. And when Photograph came out, which was the first single off Pyromania, people just went, Yeah. This even, is unbelievable. Yeah, even somebody who would profess to not really like that kind of, you know, super polished rock and roll from the 80s, like myself, loves right. that song. Listen right out of the solo, where the solo finishes and they go, Oh! Yeah, you just, great. It's like there's 50 people saying That's it. awesome. Yeah, it's Photograph here on Rock School. Okay, bottom of the hour plus seven minutes. Beth, shut up. I know, sorry. Stop talking so much. You're killing us on time here. I just keep running at the mouth. I know. Well, we've got to click things along a little bit. We'll get back to Mutt Lang in a moment, but first, let's, very late, do seven days, 70 seconds. These are the dates, August 26th all the way through September 1st. I still remember the January of this year. You yeah. were here. It was your first yeah. shows. It was yesterday, right? It was yesterday, I swear. Let's do Monday. You have it. Go. August 26, 1990. I'm trying very hard not to laugh at this one. Randy Newman wins an Emmy for composing the music to Cop Rock. I still have. I still remember watching Cop Rock. Did you watch it? It was horrible. It was horrendous. I, I can't think of other words. It. I couldn't even watch it. August 27, 1965. Elvis Presley plays host to the Beatles at his home in Bel Air, California. August 28, 1967. At his request, the Grateful Dead and Big Brother and the Holding Company play at the wake of Hell's Angels member who was killed having been struck by a car while riding in San Francisco. That's cool. August 29th, 1958, Alan Freed's The Big Beat premieres at the Fox Theater in New York. August 30th, 1993, Billy Joel is the first musical guest on the debut show of Late Night with David Letterman. And on August 31st, 1998, Madonna, who's just filled with love, files a lawsuit against the YMCA preventing it from opening up a residential building, you know, where you can spend a few dollars and stay overnight if you need to. Near Lincoln Center, New York. I'm sure she said, you know, you can't have those kind of people near Lincoln Center. This 
that she's a bad person. Yeah. September 1st, 1989, a judge in Dublin decides not to convict U2's Adam Clayton of marijuana possession after he admits to the crime, number one, and number two, agrees to donate a substantial amount of money to a woman's center in town. So, if you're rich, you can get yeah. out of it. Well, you know, marijuana. Fine. Oh, yeah, Who I know. cares? No, I'm not worried about it. Mutt Lang, real quick. Not only does he produce, he writes songs as well. Dig this. He's written these tunes. Get out of my dreams, get into my car, Billy Ocean. I know it's goofy, but... It's goofy, but man, it's kind of fun, too. Breathless by the Coors, uh, Don't Break My Heart by Romeo's Daughter, Britney Spears, Oops, I Did It Again. Can you believe that? Uh, no. Again, laugh all you want, but how long was that on the charts? Right, that's what... We're not saying these were good or bad songs. And... You know, that song by the Coors, name one other song by the Coors. I can't. Exactly. I can't. XTC, This Is Pop. As we said earlier, you and I from Lady Gaga's Born This Way. Now, we're not going to play it, but you ready for this? Brian Adams, he wrote, along with Michael Kamen and Brian Adams, Everything I Do, I Do For You. Now, I can't stand the song only because it uh-huh. has played so right. many gajillion times. Yeah, no. But that single went, a single, not the album, not right. the soundtrack, the single, Three times platinum. That's that's insane. It was people forget that it was actually attached to the movie Robin Hood, which was right. very forgettable. Forgettable, but that song unbelievable was top, on constantly top the charts in nineteen countries. Eight of those countries denoted it as gold, platinum, or multi platinum. It won a Grammy and was nominated for an Academy Award. The check. From the royalties, from this, it just had to hit at the Mutt Lang household with a thud. I imagine so. Made of lead. Unbelievable. And he was the sole author of this song. Did not produce it, though. Huey Lewis and the News. Do you believe in love? Sure. Why not? It's Huey on Rock School. without talking about Shania Twain. So those of you who just literally cannot stand any country music, now is the time to go listen to, I don't know, some other talk station. But Shania Twain, Canadian country singer. Right. Put out an album in 1993, not produced by Lang, was produced by two guys named Harold Shedd and Nora Wilson. No hits. Nothing. Nothing. Picture of her on the front, out in the wilderness, standing by a dog. Nothing. Whoa, nothing. Lang hears the album and sees potential. Well, yeah. He's got it now, yeah. She's gorgeous. She's a beautiful woman who can carry a tune. You got it. They meet at Nashville's Fanfare, June 1993. It's set up. They became very close within weeks, and they begin to write or co-write songs that would form her second album, The Woman in Me. Now, because Mutt Lang's name is attached to it, he sells it immediately. Of course, yeah. Okay. It comes out 
1995 sells 4 million by the end of the year, eventually goes 12 million, spawns six hits. Yes. Unbelievable. The whole thing was you basically just, they went single after single after single. They just kept coming out. Love it. How do you top that? Well, the second album, well, second album with him, her third. Right. It's called Come On Over. It, to date, has gone 40 times platinum 40? worldwide. It's what it says. 40 times platinum worldwide, spawned nine hits, and is the top-selling country album by a female, period. Yeah, she, I mean, at that point... You can't even say it's country music anymore. It's it pop is just music. pop music because it has just transcended genres. You can't, there's that many people buying it. It's just pop music. It's absurd. Fine. How do you follow this album? Well, you go up and you put out the album called Up in 1992. It's gone 11 times platinum. The only female artist, period, to have three successive diamond albums, country or not. This thing has three charting hits. Her greatest hits album then comes out after that. It goes five times platinum. And she hasn't had to work a day since. This is insane. Because, yeah, I mean, it is, the songs are catchy. I mean, I probably sang a couple in the car and then caught myself and was like, no, what am I doing? And changed the channel a few times as I was a teenager then. But it's hard to pinpoint why they're special. I, I wish I knew why her over anything else, but my wife owns every album and has As worn I out that sure section of the iPod. How many people? 40 million people do. It's insane. It's insane. Here you go. This was the biggest of them all. Man, I feel like a woman. Oh, yeah. I know. It's, it's, it's cliche. It's silly. It's stupid. But it was a huge hit. People ate it up with a spoon. And good for her. I guess. It was like this on Rascal. Let's go, girls. Come on. I'm going out tonight. I'm feeling all right. Gonna let it all hang out. Wanna make some noise. Really raise my voice. Yeah, I wanna. Screaming shout Oh, oh, yeah, yeah I got totally crazy Can you feel it? Come, come, come on, baby I feel like a woman Okay, looking at the time. Beth, shut up. We are way over time. we are way over. I just can't shut my mouth. We're in the last 10 minutes of the show, and I haven't done the second break, so we have to do it now. Okay. Let me give you the remainder of the reasons why he, Mutt Lang, is supposedly the producer. Big guitars, few notes. Told the players, like I've said before, you want to play stadiums, write songs that sound good in stadiums. You're a rock band. You're not a jazz band. Keep it simple, stupid. Right. Think Nickelback. I know a lot of people hate... I don't want it. Well, I know a lot of people hate Nickelback. I get it. They're a white room without anything on the walls. But when we're talking about hit making, they make a lot of hits. We're not talking about great music. Right. And there's like we've like we've shown. But you know, Nickelback is is slabs and walls and you know, big giant pieces of meat guitars. Blah, 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 blah. And if you want to hear something that gives you the impression you're hearing, you know, hard rock without really being in any trouble, <laughs> there you go. There you have it. The Schultz Rockman he used Tom Schultz stuff, and instead of recording guitars out of monstrous, you know, triple stack 
Marshalls. Right. He recorded guitars out of little tiny practice amplifiers because he could control the sound more. Right. You start yeah. off little and then he can build it as exactly that. he needed to. Exactly that. And a lot of his basses were done with synth. Synth bass rather really? than, yeah. He, he says here he asked almost all of his basses to play synth bass for more control of the studio. Listen to anything by the cars mm-hmm. and you can really hear it on Benjamin Orr's bass because Benjamin Orr was such an integral part of the cars that the, the bass on his was not sort of a backing instrument. It was brought prominent. Yeah. So there you go. All right. Who is listening to us? Who haven't we said hello to? Hello, KSCL Shreveport. Who you got? Hello, Radio Universidad. Salamaca, Spain. Coming back, we're going to say a couple more things about Mutt Lang, play a song, and then we got to go. Back in a minute on Rock School. Okay, final break here on Rock School, and I'm in a fight with Beth whether I should finish up by playing Nickelback, burn it to the ground. Quit him out. Now, let me ask you a question. I don't hate Nickelback like I'm supposed to, I guess. If it comes on my iPod, if I'm on shuffle and it comes on, I don't turn it off. I don't run from it. You have it on your iPod? Well, of course. My wife and I share an iPod. I also have tons of Shania Twain. I have glee all over my iPod because my daughter thinks it's the greatest thing in the world. Okay. You know, I have T Pain on the iPod now. Okay. That song, low, 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 low. That is hilarious. You got kids. You you yeah, put the yeah. stuff on you there. Put the stuff on there. Nothing I can do about it. Yeah. So, this stuff comes on. I don't run from Nickelback. It's not the first thing I grab. In fact, it's not the thing I grab at all. But when it comes on, I hate to admit it. It's it's kind of catchy. Why do you hate it so much? What well, is it about? Well, it? because it it's like trickery to the people who don't think about music okay like they just put out this music that is like they put took a formula of what will people listen to and like and that's what nickelback does and so it's soulless you don't think it's soulless you don't think when chad kroger writes a song he actually makes the statement i have written something that resonates within my soul and i hope it resonates with other people which is what i think a lot of musicians do i think he may think that to himself getting back to mutt lang one more reason why mutt lang was sort of the producer of the 80 simply look at his output he can't be matched simply for songs written performed on and produced through the time period it just it's true simple it's amount true. you have no choice when you put out that much you're going to succeed once in a while. That's true. Uh, another project you guys should listen to is Foreigner 4. They had only ever had a platinum album. That's it. They were a six-piece band, if you remember. And then Ian McDonald and keyboardist Al Greenwood left. They became a four-piece band. And they put out Foreigner 4. Mick Jones wanted a rock album and grabbed Lang. And it was just a battle of wills for the entire recording of the album. It worked out. That it was it the was, most successful. Yeah, it was Foreigner's only number one album in the U.S. Six million in sales, three top ten hits. Boom. So hmm. there you go. Now, you wanted to hear what that synth bass sounded like. I did, yeah. You got it. Here are the cars. We're going to do hello again to get out. Listen to the synth bass on it. So I'm Joe Burns. I'm Beth West. Class is dismissed. Hello.